Hi, this is Lisa and Jason from the Designated Quizzers Podcast, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes, and while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And now, it's time for our feature presentation. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 205, Gladiator Movie Review. Chris McBrien here along with Derek Myers. This is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. This week, we're going to be going all the way back to 2000. It's hard for me to say that, Derek. 2000 <laughs> seems like yesterday. But we're going to take a look at the movie Gladiator starring Russell Crowe. But before we get there, what's new in the world of pop culture for you this week, Derek? Well, I had a chance to watch two very recent movies that uh, both cool. came out in 2021. All right. Um, uh, one was a little bit more obscure. I just sort of stumbled across it on Netflix. And the other one I actually knew about. And when I saw it was available for streaming, I made a point of watching it. So the first one is a little uh, cute little movie called Mixtape. One word, mixtape. Hmm. And I'll just read you the synopsis here. It says, when a young girl accidentally destroys the mixtape that belonged to her mother, she sets out to track down each of the obscure songs on the cassette. Um what they don't say in this little blurby is that the the young girl, her mother has passed away and that's established very earlier in the movie that she's now living with her grandmother, uh, who is actually played by um, a well-known actress, Julie Bowen, who is the mom on Modern Family. Oh, yes. And um, Happy Gilmore's girlfriend. As she always, yes, yes, say, exactly. Yeah. Uh, she's sort of the only quote unquote movie star in this one, or I guess she'd be a TV star. Well, let's say she well, was in Lost, too. Uh very briefly, that's right. she, she was, was Jack Shepard's wife. She was, that's right. Girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, in any case, this movie mixtape it focuses on this uh, this young teenage girl uh, who is getting to know this '90s music to try and you know identify with her mother who she never really knew. Um, and uh, along the way, she makes a couple of friends, and uh, and it's the adventures of these three girls as they they go around to the record store and and various music venues, and they try and. Uh, decipher the notes in the liner from this cassette tape that got destroyed like in the first 10 minutes of the movie. It was pretty good. It's it's an interesting uh, uh, way to explore and look back upon uh, 90s music and the 90s music scene. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. I didn't recognize any of the other performers. I didn't recognize any of the three uh, teenage girls that, that are the stars of this movie, but they were all great. It was, it was a fun little movie. It's on Netflix. It's called Mixtape. And uh, I mean, the IMDb only gave it a six six point six, but uh, no, it was it was decent. I mean, you'll know within the first ten minutes if it's the kind of thing you're gonna enjoy. But uh, I liked it a lot, and um, I gotta definitely recommend it. Uh, the other one I watched is a movie called Nobody, and it stars Bob Odenkirk, who most people know as Saul from Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. Um, and in the, the movie Nobody came out in theaters very briefly during the COVID uh, when, when you could go back to movies and then you couldn't, and then you could, and then you couldn't. Uh, so it did actually get released in theaters very briefly. Um, and it was available for like home rental. And now it's finally available. Uh, I think here in Canada, I got it on uh, crave HBO and it's, it's a very simple kind of story. It's, it's by some of the same creative people that did the John wick movies. And it's the same idea of, you know, an every man, who is in suburbia living his life. He's got the wife, the two kids, the white picket fence, but he's in a very boring, mundane, routine life. And then some criminal activity happens at the beginning and it sort of sets him off. And then of course you find out, oh, he's got hidden skills that he's been suppressing in order to have a normal life. And just like in John Wick, it seems like a very trivial, small, little thing that wouldn't normally push someone to this level of, uh, of violence, but sure enough, that's where it goes. And it was great. I thought it was it was really good. It was uh, I, I mean, it's not as good as John Wick. Don't get me wrong. But Bob Odenkirk is not the kind of guy you would think of in a John Wick type performance. But no. he did a really good job. And there's a, a pretty strong supporting cast. There's a few other uh, character actors in here that uh, when they show up on screen, you're like, oh, that's great casting kind of deal. 
And uh, no, it was really good. And I think one of the things that I really enjoyed was that it ran, uh, it's 90 minutes. It runs one and a half hours, which for a lot of action movies is the perfect length. Any more than that, you start getting into unnecessary storytelling and any less than that, you really kind of feel like you've been cheated. So no, it was really good. It's called Nobody. And uh, if you like John Wick, I'd say check it out. It's not as good as John Wick, but I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. So those are my two movies. And then the third thing was just uh, a follow-up on one of the things I mentioned last week. I'm Mm -hmm. watching a TV series on Apple TV called For All Mankind, and it's the what if the Russians beat the Americans to the moon. And so I finished watching the second season this week. There's two seasons available right now. I finished watching the second season, and it was fabulous. And I've read that the third season will be coming out uh, later in 2022, so I'm really looking forward to that. So if you've got Apple TV and you are at all interested in space and NASA, I would say check that one out too for all mankind. It was great. So three winners this week. Yeah, I got one quick thing. It is Dolly Parton's birthday. So that's Excellent. Like, Happy birthday, Dolly. How yeah. old is she, Chris? I don't know. She's, I don't know. I just know it's her birthday. Uh, maybe she's 95 because it's 9 to 5. I don't know. But you know me, Derek. I'm the champion of Gen X pop culture, at least around here. And one thing I always say is that, you know, new stuff is just old stuff recycled. You know, it's like that South Park episode we've mentioned before that, you know, that Simpsons did it. Simpsons did it. Simpsons did it. Yeah. So my rant this week in that regard is Wordle. Have you been playing Wordle? at all yeah done it? i liked it better the first time when it was a game show called lingo exactly you know because i'm like you know i like i love word games you know like crosswords and apps like wordscapes and stuff like i always like that stuff so, so wordle if, if, if you're not aware of what it is anyone that's listening it's it's available only on their website like there's no app to actually go play it and every day there's a new puzzle to solve and if you haven't played it if you're not sure you basically have to figure out what this five letter mystery word is and so you start with five blanks. So let's say you enter P-A-R-T-Y, party. And it'll tell you if the letters are in the correct location, like it's green. If a letter's in the word at all, it's just like in a different space, it'll be yellow. And if it's not in the word at all, it's like gray. And so you use these as clues. And then your kind of like your path to solving it is what you see people posting everywhere on social media. You know, the yeah. little green and yellow squares and black squares. Um, it's a fun game. You know, it's fun to play. It's fun to share. But like you mentioned, you know, there was this Canadian game show back in the 80s called Lingo. It was a Ralph Edwards production, and they shot it out in Vancouver, out in BC. And Ralph Edwards actually originally hosted it, and then Michael Reagan took over. That's Ronald Reagan's son. I thought and Chuck Woolery hosted it for a while. Did no, he not? No, they rebooted it in Are 2002 sure? in the States, and that's when Chuck Woolery was the host. Oh, okay. See, I knew there was a Chuck Woolery connection. Yeah, but it was this. originally the Can- a Canadian game show, well, like I say, with, with, with um, Michael Reagan. But it's, it's played exactly like Wordle. Everything. Like it goes beep, 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 beep. It shows you like if it's in the right spot, not the right. And so in, in case anyone thinks like Wordle is like this super cool new idea, we did it in Canada first. And, you know, and it was an 80s game show. So that was, that was a good thing. But anyway, here we go. Here's your dad joke of the week. Derek, since we're talking about Gladiator this week and we're reviewing that movie, I thought I'd do a Gladiator dad joke. Okay. Right? Oh, boy. This is going to be rough. I already know it. I already feel like I'm being thrown to the lions. Yeah, no kidding. All right, here we go. What would Kim Kardashian be called if she was a gladiator? I have no idea. Gluteus Maximus. Not going to win a best Oscar for that, Chris. Oh, man, get it? It's because she's got a big... Anniversary. Don't be ridiculous. Okay, well then, have I got a show for you? Oh yeah, because I watched that show so much. I can't wait for you. Oh, that's right up your alley. 30 bags of potato chips and 12 bottles of liquor. Okay, this looks uh, like something that would be up my alley. I'm doing crappy. How you doing? You're like, I'm doing crappy too. I want it to end. I want them all to go to jail. Uh, we need to lock you up for telling that joke. I think that would be best. All right, Derek, it was over to you this week. You had to pick a movie for us to, to watch a review, and you went with Gladiator from 2000. So I did. First of all, I'd just like to, to start by explaining a little bit about how I went about trying to find this movie to watch. So, oh, okay, yeah. I have the DVD, so I was oh, fine. But lucky how did you go about finding this movie? So I decided that I would do a search to see if I could find the movie. Apparently, Derek, I found out that there's an adult version of this movie. Oh, my. Yeah, it's called, it's called. Oh boy. (laughs) 
when, when uh, how many times did you watch that before you finally went and looked for the Russell Crowe version? <laughs> My wife is questioning your judgment when it comes to movies you're making me watch. <laughs> and yeah, she's like, why do you have to watch this four times? You normally only watch it once, man. You're getting me in trouble, Derek. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you'll never think of the title the same way again after that. But <laughs> oh So uh, before I get into my take on it, well, I usually ask you first. So you could pick any movie at all and you decide to go with this one. So why did you pick this one and why do you think it was important for me to watch? And then we'll take it from there. Sure. So I, I think as I mentioned, uh, both before we started the recording last week and even on the air, um, I was in the mood for something that was like an epic, like a capital E epic. And those are usually big movies that run, you know, two and a half hours or more. They're big spectacles. They quite often are nominated for Best Picture Oscars. In many cases, they win the Best Picture Oscar. And they're, you, you know, you get a story that takes two and a half to three hours to tell. Like, it's a big deal. And so, for whatever reason, that was the sort of mood I was in last week when I was trying to narrow down what movie to get you to watch. And uh, as we've talked about before, I know if the movie came out in the 70s and the 80s, you've got to cover it. There's a good chance you'll bring it up eventually. So I try to sort of stay on my side of the turf here and I try and pick stuff from, you know, the 2000s-ish, sometimes the 90s, but more in the 2000s. So I'm looking for an epic that's sort of year 2000 or newer. Uh, we did Lord of the Rings not too long ago, so that definitely fit into that category. But there weren't as many that I felt strong enough to recommend to review on the podcast. So again, it became a very short list. And Gladiator is one of these movies that when it first came out, I saw it and I loved it. Then a couple years later, I'm rewatching it on DVD and I went, I don't think this is as good as I, th as I thought it was. And I watched it again. I'm like, man, this is just okay. And then, you know, a little time passed and I maybe saw it on TV again. And I was like, wow, this movie's great. And so it's, I've sort of had this love hate relationship with Gladiator. And, um, I hadn't seen it in a long time, like probably 10 years. And I just thought, you know what? It's time to revisit Gladiator. Am I going to love it? Am I going to hate it? Am I going to, how much do I even remember? And I found that there was quite a bit that I did not remember. Um, but I do remember that it was nominated for and won Best Picture. Uh, Russell Crowe was nominated for and won the Best Lead Actor. Um, I believe Joaquin Phoenix was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, but didn't win. So, I mean, there's, and uh, Ridley Scott, the director, was nominated for Best Director, didn't win. But with that kind of pedigree behind a movie, you know that you're getting, you're getting everybody's best work. And so when I went back to it this week, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm hope I'm in for something special here. And, uh, and I, I, you know, I was glad to, to have a chance to revisit it. So that, that was sort of why I wanted you to watch it was I wanted this grand Epic. I wanted to, to sort of revisit it myself, but I wanted to get your take on it. Um, again, it, it we don't review a lot of, I mean, they don't make a lot of epic movies because they're expensive and they, you know, they're usually more, especially now that everything's comic book movies and franchises, you don't get these kind of original stories or these grand epics. But way back when, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, these things happen pretty regularly. So you could almost say this is like the end of, of, of an era. Like this was almost one of the last great epics. Like I can't, can't think of too many that came out after this. So I, I wanted to get your take on it, knowing that you had that background, that you've seen Lawrence of Arabia, that you've seen The Godfather, that, you know, these other big sprawling epic films. And uh, we'll take it from there. So what would you think? Well, I mentioned last week that I thought that I had seen this movie in the theater when it came out. But the thing is, I actually didn't. I thought I saw it. I remember dating this girl at the time. And all she did was talk about Russell Crowe and how hot he was in Gladiator. And not like I was jealous or anything, but, uh, but you, you, the thing is, like, can you imagine if I just went around with my new girlfriend back then? All I did was talk about was like, man, that Beyonce sure is hot. You know what I mean? Like, like, it, was, <laughs> like it was a little unsettling. So, so maybe for that reason, I was like, you know, I'm not going to see this movie. Screw this. Sure. But, so, so I, I had never seen this movie. I thought that maybe I did, but no, I watch it. I have never seen this movie. So I put it on and there's the opening battle sequence and then there. Like things kind of lag a bit and my wife says to me she's like this movie's boring but you know guess what Derek this movie was fantastic I liked one I All liked right. one Oh, and let me tell you, this movie's long, too. It was like two hours and 35 minutes. Yeah. So uh, the, th the thing is, usually when I watch your movies for the show here, I take like a boatload of notes. 
when I'm watching it, you know, so we can kind of pick it all apart. I didn't do that this time. I found myself actually just watching the movie. Nice. You know, I, I thought it was really good, even though I do not like Russell Crowe. Honestly, I'm not a big fan of Russell Crowe either, and, and partly for the same reason you mentioned is that when I did first your, started dating my ex-girlfriend, think he was hot. Too, my wife. Like, when oh, I first really? started dating my wife, she had two Hollywood boyfriends, <laughs> you know Colin mean? Farrell and Russell Crowe. And if they, if either of the two of those guys ever appear in a movie, we had to go see it. And then she's always like, "Oh my god, he's so hot! No, he's so sexy!" And I ended up marrying her, but you know, <laughs> the road not taken, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I, honestly, I, I mean. I'll admit Russell Crowe's talented. I mean, he's won an Oscar. He's been nominated for actually he's won two Oscars. Didn't he? Didn't he win for a beautiful mind as well? I think so. He's just nominated yeah. anyway. Uh, and I mean, he was fantastic in the insider. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, I mean, he's, he's done some great work. I mean, it's unfortunate now he's sort of, you know, fat and bloated, but I mean, the guy's talented, so I, I can't deny it. I just, I don't know. I've just, I never I really, wonder, I wonder if my ex-girlfriend would like him now that he's fat and bloated, because let me tell you, I could hook her up. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like, like I said, I don't, I don't like Russell Crowe either. Not just because you know, you know, she just talked about him all the time. I think he's a jerk. I remember him at the 1999 Oscars. He was nominated for Best Picture, uh, as, or for Best Actor, uh, like you mentioned for um, for The Insider. And when Kevin Spacey won for American Beauty, Russell Crowe, he just looks at the camera and he gives this mock kind of like shocked look, you know, like with the open mouth. Oh, oh, what a surprise. You know, like, what a jerk. And then the next year he won for this movie, for Gladiator. He was up against uh, Tom Hanks in Castaway, and um, and he won. Mm-hmm. So, you know, good on him, whatever. I just think he's a jerk. So anyway, this movie had a budget of $100 million, and it made $187 million at the domestic U.S. box office. Um, it actually grossed $460 million worldwide. Directed by Ridley Scott, which I'm sure we'll mention in a few minutes. Um, well, why don't we get into that now? Like, where do you think this movie, because, I mean, you're, you're a fan. I know you like Tony Scott, but you also like Ridley Scott. Where do you think this movie ranks with Ridley Scott's other films? Yeah, I figured you were going to ask me that, so I'm literally just calling up his his directorial yeah. credit. So, I mean, I think it's hard to deny that, you know, Ridley Scott's best work is Alien um, and possibly you could say Blade Runner. I mean, I, I think Blade Runner, but I know that not necessarily everyone's going to agree with that. That, you know, I don't necessarily think that's a hot take, but, um, and I mean, I think this definitely ranks in his top five. Um, I would say, I would probably put this as maybe his third, fourth, somewhere between three and five, third, fourth or fifth best movie. I, I think on a good day, I would give it number three behind Blade Runner and Alien. You might actually hate me for this, but I'm not a huge Ridley Ridley Scott fan. Like, I mean, I think I agree. I think Alien is his best film. Um, I think The Martian was boring. Even Blade Runner. It's kind of boring overall. Like, it's stylistic. It's definitely unique, but it's kind of boring, too. And we've talked about that. We, We reviewed this on the podcast, you know, years ago. Yeah. And and now I notice Ridley Scott's jumping on the old sequel train. Oh, yeah. Because he's already made umpteen alien movies, and now they're talking about a prequel for the alien series. And apparently, I just found out when I was today when I was looking this up, they're shooting Gladiator 2. Well, I know that's been a talk about making a Gladiator 2, but I don't know if they've actually um, pulled the trigger on it. I think it's like anything else in Hollywood these days. If there's intellectual property that people have a fondness for, and there's an opportunity to make a sequel, or a prequel or reimagining and you've got a built-in audience from your first go around, it's usually a safe bet to at least consider it. So uh, that's my understanding of sort of where this is in the process is they're considering it because there's money to be made if they do it right. But I don't know. Who knows? I I mean, like I said, I like this movie, but the thing is it ended, you know, he died. Spoiler alert. So why the hell are they making a sequel 20 years later? So dumb other than money. Yeah. No, you I know. don't know. I, so uh, this movie won Best Picture, like you mentioned, in 2000, but uh, Ridley Scott did not win Best Director. 93 films have been uh, awarded Best Picture over the years, and 67 of those have been awarded Best Director. So that's a 72% so, rate. So, as you say, it's about 70%. Yeah, so, so it's, it's pretty high. So it's, 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 it's rare, or not rare, but it's, it's uncommon yeah. for Best Picture to not also win Best Director, because that year Gladiator won... And as much as I liked Gladiator, I still don't even know if it was the best picture that year. 
Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was really, really it was really a good. good film. Like I mean, can you was, do you have the list there, Chris? Who else? Yeah, was it was Chocolate, Crouching Never Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Never Aaron Brockovich, and Traffic were also nominated against it. Uh, Traffic and Aaron Brockovich were both yeah. decent. It was a solid year, I, solid year. For and then movies. who were the directors? All of the directors for those five movies. So, um, so obviously Ridley Scott was was nominated, didn't win. Steven Soderbergh for Eric for Traffic, Aaron Brockovich didn't win. Oh, for Aaron Brockovich, uh, Ang Lee for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And Stephen Daldry for Billy Elliot. And then the winner was Steven Soderbergh for Traffic. Traffic, right. Yeah, so Traffic won Best Director, but it didn't it's Traffic, very stylistic kind of movie, yeah. too. So I could see why that would win Director over, say, Gladiator. That's a little more straightforward. But but I again, mean, it's that, that whole, the epicness of it. Like Hollywood. They and like them. Again, they like you know, we're talking 20 years ago here. So, I mean, in all fairness, the, the Academy is trying to change the way it votes, change its membership. But like we're talking 20 years ago, it was all still a bunch of old white men. So, of course, they're going to like the Gladiator movie. Like that's definitely right up their alley. They're not going to be into the Aaron Brockovich, a story about, you know, woman activist. White guys are the old white men are voting for that. I'm sorry. I mean, it's not to say that it doesn't deserve it, but that was the prevailing winds at the time. And traffic little too stylistic and and hip for those you know for the, for old people so mm-hmm. of course i mean gladiator was a lock for but pick. i mean yeah but i mean only two years before this in 1998 um saving private ryan lost to shakespeare in love and 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 saving private ryan you could say was an epic you know like so yeah who knows right. what the academy is going to do in any any given time yeah and this is coming right like a 97 was titanic that was a huge epic as well so um, I always have lots of questions for you when we watch oh these movies. Okay. So the it's been a while question, since I've seen this one, so I may not have all the answers. Well, you watched it this past week. I no, think. I know, but a lot of these movies I recommend I've seen 10 or 15 times. This one I've probably only seen nah, in this, its entirety not, maybe four times. Yeah, I'm not going to get too much into details okay. in the film, but rather like sort of you know, broad strokes on stuff. What's the sure. deal with Roman names? So there's Maximus Decimus Meridius, Commodus. Quintus, Marcus Aurelius, Lucius, and of course the black guy is called Juba. <laughs> like, come on. Well, he's not. He's not uh, Italian, right? Like, like, so anyway, these Roman names have been spoofed before in movies. If you remember in um, that seed in Life of Brian from Monty Python, biggest. Remember? Oh, jeez. I don't. But that doesn't surprise me. History of the World Part One. Oh my God! There was Comicus, and then Shecky Green played a guy. <laughs> He played a guy called Mucus. Half of you men run over to the town square, and the others will run with Mucus. <laughs> we we totally have to review History of the World Part One sometimes. I haven't seen History of the World in twenty five years. <laughs> it's so it's, it's so dumb, but it's so funny. That's I remember funny. enjoying it. It's just been a long time. Exactly. So it's so funny. And so another thing, sort of related to this, is if they're Roman, how come they always talk with British accents? Yeah, it's like it's, gotta, like it's like the thing to do in these movies to make it. Let's make it feel like it's in ancient times. They'll talk with British accents, like in Game of Thrones. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. Game of Thrones did that too. They'll do this. I don't know. Uh, so, uh, so the movie did well with critics, and it did well at the box office. Obviously, like I mentioned, it uh, it yep. made back its budget. You know, it, it took in one eighty seven million over a hundred million dollar budget, and that was just domestically. But uh, it it wasn't the top grossing film that year. You know, we, we mentioned the Oscars. The Oscars were pretty good, but overall, the box office, like, I don't know what people were thinking. How the Grinch Stole Christmas was the number one film that the year. The Jim Carrey version? Yeah, that movie sucked. Wow. Like, I mean, it was horrifically bad. And Mission Impossible 2 was the number two film. And then Glad That was definitely the worst Mission Impossible movie. Oh, ever. yeah. Like, so, I mean, what are audiences thinking back then? It was a bunch of crap. And then Gladiator was third. Perfect Storm was fourth, and Meet the Parents was five. Perfect Storm was okay. George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, I guess. You like seeing lots of waves. Um, and then X-Men was there in Scary Movie. What Lies Beneath was... I went to see What Lies Beneath in the movie theater. The movie sucked. Never I mean, saw it. Oh, it was terrible. And Big Mama's House was number 13th. So. so that was funny. <laughs> so, I mean, Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps. Like, I don't know. I think that year was a, was pretty lame. So Yeah. That, that it, was, it was not, funny. That like, was I'm, not the A class, that's no. for sure. So I mentioned my wife was watching it at the beginning of the movie, and then she's like, oh, this is kind of boring. And then at one point, she turns to me, and she's like, I'd rather go shovel snow than watch this movie. Wow. And I got to tell you, we got like two feet of snow. But <laughs> but she did come around, because once things kind of picked up, she's like, oh, this movie's actually pretty good. This is getting a lot better, you know? So I always like to talk about the cast. Yeah. So I, I'd like to do that. We'll start with Russell Crowe, obviously. Um, I thought he was well cast as much as I hate him. Um, he did a good job. I, like I said, I just don't like the guy. 
Um, he was like a thing for a while there. Yes. My wife confirmed this because um, that he was in fact kind of a bit of a heartthrob. Because like, I think my wife can confirm that too. Yeah. Critics also loved him for a bit there. Like you said, beautiful mind and this and, you know, but then he just, I don't know, he just kind of died off. You know, he doesn't really do much. I think, I think he had too many uh, issues off, off camera. You heard about him like getting in fights. Yeah. Just he's a jerk. Well, I I mean, I, I don't know if he was or he wasn't, but honestly, it sounded to me just like a guy who was trying to have a good time and his idea of a good time was different than other people's idea of a good time. I'm not defending his actions cause I don't know all the details, but I find sometimes as things are reported, they can often get blown out of hand. But I, again, I don't know the specifics, so I, I certainly can't stand my ground on that one. Joaquin Phoenix. He's another one that critics love this guy, right? He's been nominated for four Oscars, right? Three for best actor, one for best supporting actor. So in 2019, he won best actor as the Joker. Yeah. Right? And in 2012, he was nominated for Best Actor uh, in a movie called The Master. Oh, uh, the P.T. Anderson one, yeah. I guess. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis uh, won that year for Lincoln. And in 2005, he was nominated for Walk the Line. He was yeah, for the Johnny Cash, Cash movie. Yeah, he, wasn't he was really that. good in that. He wasn't winning that year because uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman won for Capote. Oh, he was good in that too. Wow, and, that was a strong category. Oh yeah, and, and also who else? Uh, Terrence Howard was up that year for Hustle and Flow. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. I haven't. I haven't. Terrence, it's on my list of things I mean Terrence to get around. Howard to. is absolutely brilliant in that movie. Oh, I, I enjoy his work a lot. Yeah. Brilliant. God, he was good in that movie. Like just like, like shake it. Oh, he was so good. And Heath Ledger was up for Broke Brokeback Mountain, and then David Strathairn was up uh, for Good Night and Good Luck. And then, of course, in this movie, like you mentioned, uh, Joaquin Phoenix was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. But mm-hmm. uh, Benicio Del Toro for Traffic took home. No, he was he was great. There's no that was not I get no bones with that one. No, Honestly, that, that and as, I mean, again, Joaquin Phoenix, I, I, I've never been a fan of him. I think it's just because he looks so creepy. It's hard yeah, to really get. But, but, he but like you said, critics love him and he always throws himself into his roles and you know, he usually gives the performance that that is needed for the like they cast him as weird characters a lot of times. And so it's like, well, yeah, he does. Like, no wonder he won for being the Joker. The, the version of the Joker he plays is so bizarre. It's like you couldn't imagine anyone else like. Uh, but then when he played Johnny Cash, he seems so normal. It's like, well, that that's quick. That's a demonstration of your range right there where one year you're like, hey, look, he's normal. He's pretending to be a country singer. And then the next couple of years later, it's like he's the Joker. He's a raving lunatic. Like, oh, my God. Well, he's an actor. He should play different. Yeah. I remember hearing stories when he was doing that Johnny Cash role. He'd walk around on set and he'd make everyone call him JD and like really immerse himself in it. Like you said, I don't know. I don't know about all that stuff. Obviously, um, you know, his, his older brother was River Phoenix, who died back in 93. First thing I ever saw Joaquin Phoenix, and I can remember, was a movie called To Die For with Nicole Kidman. It was supposed to be kind of a spoof. I remember going to see it in the movie theater back in 90. Oh, is that where she's a reporter? Uh, well, like a news well, reporter? Or she plays or this woman who gets this like gig on a local cable access TV yeah. show. And she thinks she's famous. And then she like convinces these teens to kill her husband. I thought it was dumb. I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't really, really like Joaquin Phoenix in it either. Like, like there's something really, really weird about him. He, he to me when I look at him, he kind of looks like a heroin addict that hasn't slept in like two weeks. You know, again, I, 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 I'm not sure how much of that is genuinely accurate versus how much is that someone who just knows that he's living the life of a character. Yeah, I, right. I don't know. I, I mean, it's it's he's not it's not working for me, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whatever. I'm, I mean, Oliver I'm going to go see the movies either way, whether he's yeah. in them or not. So. I want to mention Oliver Reed. He was the slave yes. owner. He sold yes. the, the fighters. And he was in Oliver back in the late 60s. And he was in The Three Musketeers. This movie actually was, uh, Gladiator was the last movie he made before he died. Mm-hmm. And the thing with him, he was known for being this hard drinker. Like he, he apparently too had like a legendary mean streak when he would drink. So I remember one time back in the, I want to say it was early 90s, I think it was. He was on the old Late Show with David Letterman, and, and, and Derek, you know Letterman. Like he would oh, like yeah. needle some of his guests sometimes, and he had Oliver Reed on the show. And I would say Oliver Reed was pretty clearly intoxicated when he was on the show. And and Dave made a comment to him. I don't remember what it was, but he like made you know some comment to him. And I remember Oliver Reed just glared at him. And I, if I was Dave in that moment, 
I think I would have been scared for my life. Like, it was that <laughs> scary. I, I remember watching it and thinking, oh, my God, this guy's, like, frightening. But, uh, yeah, he was, he was uh, this was, like I say, it was his last movie. So he was, he was a real piece of work. And, well, I was uh, reading. I was reading in the trivia after because again, mm-hmm. I, it's been so long since I saw this movie. I had to read up a, a lot of the backstory, and I knew he had died um, during the production of the movie, and it was near the end of the production of the movie. So they, you know, they there was discussion about do they go back and reshoot the scenes with another actor or do they continue onward? And ultimately, they decided to preserve his legacy and keep him in the movie because I think like he only had like two days of shooting left or something. But apparently, there was supposed to be a scene where. Um, his character Proximo was supposed to fight Maximus in the gladi- gladiatorial arena uh-huh. after the after the fight with the Tigers, but before the final fight with um, with Joaquin Phoenix's character. And they had to rewrite the script a little bit to uh, to change that since the actor was no longer available. I, and I didn't know that until just this week when I was reading up on it. So uh, again, I think the movie might have been a little bit a little different. Obviously, it would have been different if that scene was in there. But I'm wondering how that might have changed the outcome of it or or changed the ending of it a little bit. But I mean, I still like the movie the way it is. But I think I might have liked it a little more if we'd been able to see that scene. Yeah, it's interesting because he was like the, the gladiator back in the day. You know, he yeah. was like the, 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 the big guy. Um, I want to mention Jaiman Hansu as well. He was Juba. Oh. I love him. I he, think he's great. I, I didn't really know much about him. I know he was in Amistad, which I had never seen. And he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. Wasn't he? Yeah. That movie you made me watch. He is a pretty damn good actor. Uh, he was, yeah. he's been nominated for a couple of Oscars. Twice, he was nominated, I believe. Yeah, he was nominated for um, Best in Supporting America Actor in 2003 for In America. In America, yeah. And then for Blood Diamonds in 2006. Like, yeah, he's, even in this, he's got a small role, but it's, it's memorable. It's impactful. You know, yeah. I, I thought he was really, really good. And the other one I wanted to mention was Richard Harris. I, I don't think people, maybe probably from, you know, from the millennial generation, I don't think they realize how amazing Richard Harris was. Well, he actor. was he was Dumbledore in the first Harry Potter movie. So that's, that's how right. younger people probably know him. Yeah, until he died and then Ian McClellan took over that role, right? Yep. Yeah, that's right. Um, I thought his best performance was in A Man Called Horse. You know, Never heard they, of it. Oh, he was, oh, man, was he good in that. And, and I thought he was really good in this movie as the father, as Caesar, you know, or whatever. So, um, so another question for you. I always got lots of them. Why do they call Russell Crowe the Spaniard? He's from Italy, right? And he speaks with a British accent. I know, let's call him the Spaniard. Like, yeah, that makes sense. So that kind of, I wasn't sure about that. Yeah, it was a little bit of a gap, I think. uh, And this is one of those things like, you know, in a sci-fi movie where, there's something that sort of like nags at you, like maybe something like, well, how come there's gravity on this spaceship? Or how do they all understand the same language? And like one line of dialogue is all you need in a sci-fi movie where you could say like, I'm glad our universal translators are working. And then that's it. You never have to address it anymore. And I think that's something with this movie that just a couple of lines of dialogue would have satisfied this this curiosity. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think what we're supposed to, what's supposed to have happened is when Russell Crowe describes in the after the first battle and he's he's sitting with richard harris and he talks about going home to his farm and he says it's in the hills of wherever again my italian geography is not great um but i got the sense that this was probably supposed to be like a fair ways away from rome because he talks about how like he has even though he's been home and he's Two got and a half son, years or something yeah it, he's yeah. been away from home for so long but he's also hasn't been to rome in a long long time so i'm getting the sense that wherever he lives it's a fair distance from rome so i'm thinking like northern italy and so when uh, when he finally does go home and he finds that his, his wife and his son have been killed uh, and he's obviously sustained some injury and all the rest of that and he passes out and then he's picked up by what you later learn are these like slave traders. I'm getting the sense that that he was sort of taken by this caravan and it's a caravan that just basically goes around looking for able bodied people that they can essentially kidnap and put into servitude. And for whatever reason, they they either um just figured hey we'll we'll say he's from spain because they know that they're not supposed to be taking people from italy or maybe they had already come from spain uh and they had other spanish slaves along the way and it's just like oh well who are all these people in this cart oh they're all from spain and then it turns out he's the only one that's any good again they don't really explain it so you sort of have to just take it at face value but one or two lines of dialogue would have gone a long way to, to satisfying that. Cause that, that's one of my little pet peeves about this movie too. One other guy from the cast I want to mention was the guy that played Cicero, Tommy Flanagan. He was like, um, he was like Russell Crowe's kind of servant. 
Yeah. You know, he had Squire the, or his age. Yeah, and he had like the, yeah. the scarred face and stuff. As soon as he came on the screen, I said to my wife, do you recognize who that is? And she's like, no. And we watched, as I mentioned a little while ago, we watched Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy, yeah. He was on there. He was Chibs. And yeah. as soon as I go, that's Chibs from Sons of Anarchy. She's like, oh my God, it is. And and so him, it, it, the funny story with him was he was friends with, back in the day, um, back in Scotland, he was friends with, um, oh, the guy that, remember when you made me watch, um, oh, what was the movie with the male strippers? Remember you made me watch that Magic movie? Mike? I no, know what made you watch no, no, the one where. Oh, the Full Monty. The Full Monty. The guy, Robert yes. Carlyle, I think it was his yes. name. So they were friends and uh, Tommy Flanagan was a DJ. And then Robert Carlyle was like, hey man, you got to go into acting, you know? And, um, and when, and then he was like, ah, I don't know. I think I'm still going to be DJing. So he was DJing and one night. After he was done DJing, he leaves the bar wherever he was DJing, and then this, these guys jumped him, and they attacked him with a knife, and that's where he's got those scars from. They cut his face really bad, obviously, and then he decided, okay, I think I'm going to go into acting. <laughs> Maybe this DJ thing isn't for me. So, but I noticed him right away. I thought he was interesting. Um, I also have a question for you. What is the deal with some of the fighters when they were in the Coliseum and stuff wearing bullheads? Because we saw this also in, in a movie that I love, Time Bandits. I remember there was a guy with a big bull head on. And then, you know, well, I think at Time Bandits, it was supposed to genuinely be a minotaur, wasn't it? And it was just oh, bad maybe, makeup. Yeah. Uh, I think in this one, it's supposed to just be the 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 pageantry, the pageantry, the the theatrics of it, the costume, the right. you know, the idea that these the gladiators that have these big costumes on are are, are the the stars of the show. Right. Uh, it's a way to to develop a, a a character or think like professional wrestling, right? Like all the wrestlers have their their various their their shtick, their gig, their their niche, whatever it might be. Whether it's hey, look at me, I'm wearing flashy clothes, or I have this big hairdo, or hey, I got a snake with me, or hey, I'm wearing a cloak, or whatever it might be. I, I think that's the idea is that these uh, these these false animal heads are just supposed to be uh, part of the show, and in some cases intimidating, right? Like there's this scene. I think it's when they first come to to the first gladiator uh, arena where all the fighters, all the gladiators are like down the, in the basement and they've got to come up a ramp and there's these doors that are closed. And outside the ramp, there's a guy swinging a morning star and it's just going around and around. And all the guys on the inside can see is as the, the head of the weapon swings in front of the light, they just see the shadow passing over the door and over the door. Like it's an intimidation tactic, right? They right. want to, you know, you want to um, completely terrify your opponents. So I, I think that's part of it is when the doors open, the, the, the gladiators, the slaves have no idea what to expect. How terrified would you be is if the first thing you see when you call it is a guy with the head of a bull, like that would freak you out. And sometimes that's all you need, right? They, they, they startle and it's like, okay, stab that guy's dead. So this whole, my guess. this whole notion of men fighting each other for sport, you know, and for the entertainment of others, this has just been a thing throughout history. And as, you know, as barbaric as it all seems, especially when you watch something like this, when you watch this movie, this is not something that's going to go away anytime soon. You know, there's heavyweight boxing, there's MMA, and we like to think society's evolved, you know, from the times of the Colosseum and stuff. But in a lot of ways, it hasn't. I mean, humans still like to watch other humans try and just kill each other. Well, and so I wanted to, to touch on this a little bit is... All I kept thinking when I was watching this movie was mm -hmm. this idea of the the fight in the arena, the gladiators, especially when it wasn't just like one or two guys fighting one or two guys. Like the scene where um, they're recreating a, a battle scene from history and you've got all the gladiators and they've just got their spears and their shield. And then the quote unquote heroes come out on the chariots with the horses. And so you literally have two groups fighting each other. And all I kept thinking of is how different is this from football? And think of how important the NFL is to today's world, to today's society. Think of the the uh, the value, the dollars and cents that are tied to it, tied to the stadiums, tied to the the ticket revenue, tied to the the television broadcasting revenue, the licensing rights, how much you pay players, uh, you know, the kinds of special treatment they get. It's it's all replicated here in this gladiator movie and assuming it's even marginally historically accurate and i gotta think some of those details are like it, it really emphasizes your point that things don't have really changed really the only thing that's changed now is they don't kill them because there's more value in letting them 
not kill each other, like not fight to the death, but to come back and fight each other again next week in the form of a, of a game, uh, you know, and, and you look at the way that the, the Coliseum is presented in this movie, today's modern football fields, be it soccer football or American football, they're modeled the exact same idea. It's uh, you know, it's a tried and true formula. And they talk about how it's like mob rule and how, you know, someone who performs well in the arena can be more powerful than the 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 lead politician, you know, uh, and how often that happens all the time. You look at some of today's most successful and famous and skilled athletes who are champions year after year. They're more recognized, well-known, popular, well-paid, more well-liked than our than our leaders. Uh, and in some some cases with good reason, but in some cases not. It's like this guy can throw a football really well, so we must admire him. Really? Like that's a skill worth admiration as opposed to somebody who maybe, you know, studied and went to school and is trying to better the world through political change. Like it's it's a really weird and interesting dynamic. And I think this movie really hits it on the head with that. Yeah. You mentioned the Coliseum is like a, a football stadium. But when I think of things like boxing and MMA, like those guys are like like a boxing ring or the, the, the MMA kind of ring that they're in. They're enclosed, kind of like this was too. You're not getting out. You know, when you're in the Coliseum and you're going, you're out on the the, the, the ground there, you're not getting out. You're in there. Mm. And, and, and the whole point of it is that you're stuck in there and you guys are fighting each other. And, yeah. you know, the MMA is, 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 it's along those lines. Like it's the same sort of concept, right? Like it's just crazy. Um, I, I, so I, I really like this movie a lot. Like I said, I thought it was quite good in a lot of ways. Like I always make comparisons to Gen X stuff and, and before for me, it's kind of like Ben Hur with CGI. I've honestly no. never seen Ben-Hur. No. I've seen scenes from Ben-Hur. I know of Ben-Hur, but I, I, I've never seen it. But again, like it's the fact that the tiger to... stuff, at least they didn't yeah. try to like CGI at all. Like they, they, what they, they did was they obviously shot tigers and then like superimposed the guys like close to them and stuff like that. So I thought yeah. that was, that was, it was, a, yeah, I was reading. It's a lot of like camera tricks where yeah. it was like the force perspective where you could tell. Hey, if the guy looked closer than he was, but really, if you looked at it from a different angle, he was 10 feet away. Um, and yeah, to your point, the, although there was a lot of CGI used, especially with the scenes for the Coliseum and the crowds and things like that, a lot of the fight, if not most of the fighting was, was done with practical effects and, uh, and trickery of the camera, which mm-hmm. is the sign of, uh, of a good director who knows how to tell a good story and, and, uh, use the, the tools that are in front of them. Absolutely. So what would you rank it out of 10? Oh, I think, I think I got to give it an eight and a half. I think it's a fair number. Well, I, I think that's pretty amazing because I'm going to give it an eight and a half as well. Oh, there you go. I thought and it was one of the better films that you've had me watch. Nice. You know, I happen to have the IMDb page open and they gave it an exactly 8.5 as well. Oh, so I think we're all, so we're, all we're kind of all on the same page there. So, yeah, no, I thought, uh, yep. I thought I thought it was quite good. I thought it was quite good. All right. So on that note, let's have some fun with Caveman. Oh, boy, Derek, I'm going to have some fun with you this week. And let me tell you, our producer Sloth is going to hate me because he's going to have a lot of work to do. So, <laughs> God, I, I'm going to get myself in trouble. There's going to be a lot of sensor beeps here. So, oh boy. As, as I mentioned at the top of the show, there was an adult version of Gladiator called... <laughs> right? Okay. So, 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 so here's what I'm going to do, Derek. Oh, no. I think I know where this is going. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, already regretting. This is going to be nothing but bleeps if this goes where I think it's going. I'm going to give you the title of a well-known Hollywood movie. You see if you can guess the title of the adult film version of it, okay? So. I, I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm already not comfortable where this is going, but okay. Just, just work, work with me on this, okay? So we're gonna start. <laughs> I gotta get through this. I, I, I kinda wish, we, I, can I get a phone a friend? Cause you know. <laughs> You gotta, get, you gotta get Greg, Greg in answers. here. Yep. Yeah. I wasn't gonna name names, but uh, yeah. I don't mind doing it. All right, so we're gonna start with an easy one, all right? One of your favorite films of all time, Derek, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction, what would the adult title version of Pulp Fiction be? Uh, I, I've heard jokes of this before. I don't know if it's a real thing, but I would guess it's Pulp Friction. No, I'm sorry, it was Pulp Friction. Pulp Friction. Eh, close. I would have also accepted <laughs> Fiction. 
Jeez. So, all right. So another one of your favorite movies from the same year as Pulp Fiction, or should I say Pulp Friction? Forrest Gump. What would Forrest Gump's adult film title be? Wow. Uh, I don't know. Foursome Gump? No, I'm sorry. It's Forrest Hump. Oh, that seems a lot easier. Yeah. Yeah. I overlooked the obvious answer there. All right. Let's uh, let's go back to Tarantino for a minute here. Kill Bill Volume 1. What would the adult film version of Kill Bill Volume 1 be? Uh, Probably like a much dirtier way of saying Screw Bill. So what would it be? I'm going to stick with my original answer and say Screw Bill. Actually, it was Drill Bill Volume 1. Oh, okay. I would have also accepted Phil Bill. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> right. Got okay. the one with the... Yeah, never mind. No, I'm not All right. Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill Hunting. What would the adult film version of Goodwill Hunting be? Wow. Um... Don't I, overthink I, it. I, 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 no, don't overthink I, I, I don't. I'm trying to... I can't even think of it. I have no idea. Goodwill Humping. Humping. Goodwill okay. Humping. Yes. Okay. All right. You've got mail. <laughs> what would the adult version of you've got mail be? Uh, well, I got to think it's you've got and then something in the place of the word mail. Or would it be you've got mail but spelled differently? That's you've there got mail, go. M-A-L-E. There we go. Very good. Okay. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Now, I I think they mentioned a possible name for this in the 40-year-old version. I'm not sure if that was it, but Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. What do you think? Jeez. Uh, Probably just something stupid like Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Bone. Oh, that's a good one, though. That's a, that's a, that one might be. Actually, no, it was Potter and the Sorcerer's Jeez. <laughs> it was a real one, apparently. All right. One of our favorite movies of all time, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Jeez. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Raiders of the Lost Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, how about uh, Chris, Edwards? I, I, I hope that you uh, I hope that you didn't search for these titles when you were at work because <laughs> you may have some explaining to about your internet history. No I swear I was, more, I was doing homework for the podcast. Yeah, sure honestly, you were sure you were. All right, the, the the 1989 Johnny Depp film Edward Scissorhands had an adult film version. What was the title of the uh, of the version of of Edward Scissorhands? I, I think I've heard this before. Wasn't it Edward? Very good, yeah. Very good. You've seen that one. Okay, I don't know if Scorsese directed the adult version, but Gangs of New York. <laughs> well, I think the obvious one is Gang Bangs of New York. All right. <laughs> and I do believe Scorsese might have had his hand in that one. I think he might have in more ways than one. Okay. <laughs> School of Rock. Well, I, I got to assume it's the, the simple school of <laughs> I can't believe you're doing tremendously well at this category. All right. Tomb Raider. What would the version of Tomb Raider be? Tomb Raider? Yeah, Tomb Raider. I don't know. Raider? I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Womb Raider. Oh, my God. <laughs> Of course it is. Okay, we, we mentioned how this was a, a Gladiator was a, you know, a, an epic film. Here's another one for you. Titanic. Titanic. What would be the, the film version of Titanic? I, wow. I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. It was Titanic. Sure. <laughs> Figure that one out on your own. All right. I, you're a fan of the genre. Here's a, here's a musical for you, okay? Oh, I thought you were going to say pornography. <laughs> no, I'm like, what? No, no, no. Okay. You like musicals, right? So Oklahoma. Oklahoma. What would the adult film version of Oklahoma be? I I, I don't even want to hazard a guess because of the insensitive nature to it. Of it. <laughs> you would be right because it's Oklahoma. 
Yeah, I yeah, figured exactly. that's where I was probably going. All right, E.T. the Extraterrestrial <laughs> had an adult film version. What was well, it Well, I remember, was it one of the Cheech and Chong movies they did a spoof of this where they made an adult movie and they called it E.T. the Extraterrestrial? Very good. That's exactly what it was. And the last one, so you're getting away now. It's over, okay? Going back to another epic classic film, Lawrence of Arabia. What's the adult film version of Lawrence of Arabia called? Um, again, I think this was spoofed in something else, and they did Lawrence of. Indeed, it was. So there. I think it was one of the. I think it was like Family Guy did a, or American Dad. One of them did something on that. Yeah, something like that. Okay, so <laughs> you did pretty good on those. Not bad. I, I'm really impressed, and we have to watch your uh, your internet search history as well. Apparently, so next episode, it's time for another pop culture fantasy draft. So uh, this time. It's over to you, Derek. You get to choose the year that we're going to be drafting. Now, keep in mind, we have to draft a pop culture team of three movies, three TV shows, and three songs from the year in question. What will that year be? Well, uh, we, we've we done, correct me if I'm wrong, we've done 1981. Yes, we did 1981. 1984, 1985. That's correct. Yes. Okay, so we need to go to the other end of the spectrum. So let's just go right to the end. We're going to do 1989. Oh, that one should be. That's the last year I watched pop culture. That's when I, I, I finished watching it. That should be interesting. 1989 doesn't jump out as like a year when there was like a ton of stuff from pop culture. So well, it should be good. And not only that, but I was thinking about it earlier today and I thought a lot of the things that I might initially want to pick as a 1989 something was more of a 1990s mm-hmm. cultural influence. Like like right. TV shows that started in 89 were big in the 90s. So people yeah. think of them as a 90s property. So it might get tricky with that's the drafting okay. of, uh, of of doing it in a way that's going to work. But, well, we got a week to figure it out. We'll come back. We'll uh, we'll see how we draft teams. Yeah, it's been a while since we did a draft because we had some time off, you know, over, over the holidays. And then, you know, we come back and try and guess adult film titles. So, you know, we've doing all this stuff in between. So that's what we'll do. So next time out, we're going to come back. We're going to have a pop culture fantasy draft. We will flip a coin. We'll go back and forth. We'll do our draft like we always do. And until then, this is Chris McBrien on behalf of myself, our producer Sloth, and Derek Myers saying thank you for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.